Vodafone could not organize a piss up in a brewery, could they? Seriously. Welcome to Fraculous, a technology podcast for humans. Episode 324. Visiting the Apple Mothership, how to win at the Genius Bar, and new Mac hardware rumor mongering. We could jump straight in with Jeff's visit to Apple Campus. So one of the reasons we have not done a Fraculous podcast for a month, probably more than a month, is because Jeff's been lodging it around the United States of America. How was your trip, Jeff? Were you following my inst- my Instagram feed with all the national parks? I was following your swarm feed and seeing all the places you were checking in. You scored about 5,000 coins that week. No, I got 2,000 points in one week. If you ever want to win at Swarm, go on holiday, because everywhere is new, everything is exciting, it's your first time everywhere. That's how you win at Swarm when you go on a trip, basically. That's, that's the winning way. And I upgraded all my stickers. Yes, I went to the US of A. I ended up on a three-week trip in California. In my first week, I was in Wyoming, and somebody that I've met once in England went, hey, are you heading west? They, could, they, they detected I was heading west. And I remembered that this person worked for Apple. And I went, yes. And they went, well, you should, you should swing by Sunnyvale slash Cupertino. And I went, okay, <laughs> not wanting to assume anything. And they were like, yeah, come for lunch at Apple. I was like, okay. So I did get to go and see Infinite Loop and the Apple campus. Did you go to the Apple store that is on the Apple campus? I've heard there are things you cannot buy in other Apple stores. Oh, I should have. If you like, I can run to the kitchen and get my mug. Basically, the Apple store that is on the campus sells exclusive gifts. They have t-shirts that you can only buy there. They have mugs that you can only buy there. I should be drinking tea out of my Apple mug. They sell notebooks. They sell, um, they sell like flasks. I think you'd put either tea or water in them, but it's definitely some kind of liquid container. I bought my friend Matt a notebook with an Apple logo on it and it was in a you know shrink wrap. And when I gave it to him, when I got back as, as, a, you know, as a present, he went, I probably won't ever take this out of the shrink wrap. <laughs> he just... <laughs> so... Um, I was like, well done. <laughs> Thanks. That's, I've just spent $20 on a gift I'll never use. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah, $20 for a notebook in the Apple store. That's more than a moleskin. It was quite pricey. And then Cupertino itself, I thought was not that amazing. It was in a very sort of built-up commercial part of town. Uh, obviously, we've got a photo outside. There's a big blue number one, you know, to uh, rep- represent number one of Infinite Loop. And there's five, you know, building one, there's five buildings. We went, we went inside, there's a courtyard, there's, a, there's like, you know, a little, there's a fountain and a, and, a, and a bit where you can sit outside and there's a restaurant and on a nice sunny day as it was, you can sit outside uh, in the restaurant and everybody just hangs out. The canteen gets really busy. So we got there like at 11.45. So you can just go in the canteen or do you need an escort from Apple? Oh no, you know, we had to get signed in. Our friends met us. There's a couple of iPads. You type in your name on an on a iPad app at reception. It prints you out a badge. I've kept my badge, obviously. It reminded me a bit like Microsoft. I went to Microsoft in England. Are they like at Winosh, Winosh Triangle or something, many, many years ago. They do as much as they can to keep you in the building. There's like free Coke vending machines, for example, and they provide all snacks free. And what they said was that basically most jobs, you can have completely flexible working hours. So there's one guy that likes to rock up at 2 p.m. in the afternoon, and he just works until 10 p.m. each night, and that's it, and they trust him to do it. for so very flexible hours, apparently, which is, which is really nice. Apart from reveling in novelty of being in the Apple mothership, what yeah. did you learn? What, what stuff... So, did you come away with that you uh, that you didn't know before? This was literally a few days before WWDC 16 kicked off, where they announced iOS 10. And my friend, and I don't even want to name him, I don't even want to name his first name, <laughs> but we were sat having lunch, 
and his phone beeped in his pocket and he got his phone out and I leant across and he suddenly went ooh and he hid his phone because I got a glimpse <laughs> of, of the new style notification centre and they're so he was so sensitive he's like please don't tell anyone if you saw anything and he meant it he really meant it so they're obviously under great duress to not leak anything at all and like he had this look in his eyes of no no I'm not even kidding <laughs> so um, his wife that works there again I won't mention her name Basically, she said, you know, like five years ago, there's this rumor that like Steve Jobs gives you like a dressing down in a lift. You know, I think basically he did it once. You know, he did like the lift interrogation. Who are you? And, and by the end of the lift journey, you're fired. Apparently this happened once, but you know, it became a bit of an urban legend and people worried about it. But apparently what he would do is that when he was walking across the campus, across the courtyard, he'd just lock eyes onto you. It, it was like, like a mind melt. It was as if like he was like zeroing in in your brain to go, who are you? What do you do for my company? What work are you doing today? And he was quite renowned for doing this, just kind of like not saying anything, not approaching you, but just from a distance, just staring you out. Um, and so he was letting you know that he was boss, you know, and he was in charge and this was his company. And what was the best thing to do? Should you stare back or should you just roll over and lie on your back like a dog? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. That's what I learned from Apple. <laughs> also, when we last left you, Jeff, you were checking out your roaming options. Oh, don't. <laughs> how, how, how has that worked out for you? Oh, no. Hang on, I'm going to do a, a little cry off camera. Ah! Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Vodafone could not organise a piss-up in a brewery, could they? Re- uh, seriously. <sighs> do you don't look? No, no, it has cost me the correct amount of money. So I believe we were discussing, do I get a local sim or do I go with... The five pounds a day. It's called World Traveller. Okay, I'm going to keep this really brief. A week before, a week before, I rang up Vodafone and went, hello, going to the USA. I'd like, you know, the World Traveller thing, whatever it's called, which cost me five pounds a day. And the very nice gentleman went, yeah, no problem. Tap, tap, tap. Activating it for you now, sir. That'll appear in your account soon, kind of thing. And the next day, I looked at my phone and I could see that you know the traveller thing on there. And I was like, yeah, it's been added, and and I didn't think about it until about two days before we went on holiday, when my girlfriend went, "What are you What are you doing for your phone?" And I went, "Oh, I went. You should add World Traveller to 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 your phone." She's on Vodafone as well, so she rang up and I heard the conversation, and it happened. And hers came through like straight away within ten minutes. There's the Vodafone app, and she opened up the Vodafone app, and she went, "Is this it?" And it said World Traveller, and I went, "Yeah." I went, I went. But suddenly, my brain went. But that, that looks different to mine. Yeah. <laughs> and I opened up my app, and I didn't have World Traveller, which is unlimited. Right. I had something called Data Traveller, <laughs> which is not the same, because that, that gives you a limit of 25 megabytes a day. 25 megabytes. It's not much. That's nothing. So then started a protracted game of cat and mouse of how do I get them to remove Data Traveller and add World Traveller to my phone. I called them that day. They said they would add it. The next day, it hadn't been added. The next day, I called them again. They promised they would add it. I got so frustrated with calling them and getting their web. At the airport, as I'm about to fly, I'm in Heathrow Airport using their Wi-Fi. I'm on the How Can We Help You app, typing in, please remove Data Traveller, but, you know, add World Traveller. Um, I then got three or four messages in America saying, welcome to World Traveller. Oh, you've opted out of World Traveller. Oh, you've opted out of Data Traveller. Would you like to opt into World Traveller? And I'm going, oh my God. <laughs> and, it, and, I, and I rang them again. And I went on the online form again. And at one point, I had two listings of World Traveller and no Data Traveller. At one point, I had Data Traveller and World Traveller. At one point, I had nothing. And eventually, after another online session with me going, please, 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 just give me World Traveller and not Data Traveller. Why does this take seven attempts to contact you? Finally, I got an email going, 
Congratulations, World Traveller has been enabled on your phone, right? And Data Traveller was, was still listed, and I, I didn't touch it. And after a week, that actually disappeared. And then I checked the next day, I rang again, and they went, yes, you're definitely subscribed to World Traveller. But it just pains me, because yeah. I think, why can't... What, one, why are there two products, Data Traveller and World Traveller? Two, why did they apply the wrong product? Why do you have to even call someone? Why can't you just do this on a simple web form and go, I'd like to add this product to my... It's just so painful and it wasn't until the fourth end of my holiday that i finally thought i think i've been charged the right thing and i have and i got i got charged five pound a day but it was just you just have to jump through hoops and it's just so annoying to have to call them seven times i do like the fact that they do have these traveler packs definitely in europe it's three pounds a day and the us rest of the world five pounds a day that's great but i have had problems where i've received texts saying you're now spending a lot of money on your SIM. And you phone them up and say, but I've got World Traveller enabled. And they go, yep, no, you have. And you'll get another text saying, you've just spent £65. <laughs> You're like, no, nah, but I've got... It's confusing. It's not great. I've never actually had to pay the rates that the text messages I've got have said I've got to pay. It's not comforting at all. And compare that to three, where you go abroad to a supported country and you get a text saying not going to cost you anything just use your inclusive allowance in this country for free at one stage i even got a text message that that said reply to this text message with the word yes or opt in yes to opt in to world travel and i did that and it went there has been a problem we cannot do this please please call this number and i rang this number and it was the wrong number so i'm like so i can't even use your opt-in and the number you give doesn't even work you know it's one at every turn I hit a brick wall. I've got three on my iPhone and I've got Vodafone on my BlackBerry. Thinking I might finally upgrade my really creaky BlackBerry torch to something modern. Something that runs Android. Something like that. And I was looking at £45 a month going up. I'm paying about 27 just for a SIM only, but with landlines attached to the number. It's my business number. Right, OK. So that yeah. works really well. I would have had to go up to £45 a month just to get a new handset. And this BlackBerry, it, it can't show emoji. As we found out the other night, Will, when I sent you an emoji and you were very sad that you couldn't see it. You did. And I was like, sorry, don't know what it is. If I click on a link that's longer than about 35 characters, it crashes and I have to wait five minutes for the email to reboot. But I did find out on new Vodafone plans, you now get a European roaming inclusive. So I phoned up to ask about that. Each time I've always ensured when I upgrade my Vodafone that I keep my landline numbers because I need those. I cannot get rid of the landline numbers. The new package, it was going to be £23 a month, cheaper than what I was paying. I was going to get free roaming within Europe. And I think I've got to manage to double my data to 2 gig, but it's a BlackBerry. I'm not exactly using much data on this anyway, so that was fine. And then I upgraded... And then I noticed I hadn't had any email on my BlackBerry since about 2pm, which is probably when I hung up the call with them. I then phoned them back about 8pm and found out that they hadn't put the BlackBerry email service on it. And that's mm. going to cost me £5 more a month. So I'm actually back where I was before. I'm now paying £28 rather than 27.50, but I do have the free roaming in Europe. So it's all right. I went from being very, very happy to just being kind of, meh, I'm OK now. Many years ago, when I lived in America and I got a new, I bought a new cell phone with AT&T back then, this was only 2008, nine. I was sending text messages to someone, I got a new phone, and it took me a day to realise that nobody was getting my text messages. 
because my text messages weren't being sent. And I went into the shop and they went, well, you don't have SMS enabled on your account. And I'm like, why wouldn't you enable SMS by default? They went, no, we don't do it. You have to ask for it as, as a, an additional opt-in service. I went, what, extra charge? They went, no, you just have to ask for it. I went, why wouldn't you just automatically default by apply a service which costs you no more money? When I first got my, my, my first ever mobile phone on Orange, originally sending text, I think, was an extra £5 a month. Crazy. And they just changed it so it was free to send. You still have to pay per text. I think you have to pay 10, 10p per text back in the day. Sorry, David, you tell us something about your bad customer service experience. Oh, gosh. Well, no, this, the, this podcast has to stay within reasonable lengths of time. But it's interesting. Vodafone has got two different Ofcom investigations. Ofcom's the regulator, the telecoms regulator here in the UK. One about uh, pay-as-you-go customers, but also another one which is very pertinent to what we're talking about, about um, poor response times, very, very poor customer service. And Vodafone has said that it's been merging its billing systems and that hasn't worked. It's um, onshoring a lot of its offshored customer services. But uh, I'm actually filming something this Thursday specifically on Vodafone for um, for Rip Off Britain. And we are speaking to a few people who, because Vodafone has overcharged them, has um, for people who've even closed their accounts, has carried on billing them, it's lodged black marks against their credit reports, which has stopped people from getting mortgages, has changed the rates that people get on their mortgages, and, and all sorts of really, really horrible stuff. And it's driving people to despair. I've had it as well. I got charged uh, twice as much for a new Vodafone deal earlier this year. And it took no word of a lie about a day of phone calls, of being passed around, going in complete circles, online chats I preferred in the end. And, you know, because I had, at least I had a record of those. Yeah, that's what, that's what I did to sort out my data traveler. I preferred the online chat. It was less frustrating somehow than, 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 than a phone call. But it takes a long time, the online chat. You know, these guys, I, I can imagine that they're servicing about four or five different people like us all at the same time. What? Hang on. You, when you have an online chat, they're not, they're talking to other people, not just you. I can imagine they are, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that for certain. That never occurred to me. What? That's crazy. In the end, they kind of managed to put it right, but they still couldn't put me on the tariff that I had signed up to. So they've given me a 50% discount instead. So now I'm paying 20 quid for 20 gigs unlimited calls and texts. And that's a, that's a SIM only deal, but I'm quite happy with that. Thank you very much. But I had really, really had to fight to get that deal. And I hear a lot of things about Vodafone and I think I tend to not have these problems but because I'm on a business tariff and I think because I have those landlines attached to my account I'm in this one called OneNet which almost yeah. feels like it's a separate company it's almost like it's using Vodafone's network but all of my calls go through to the Vodafone OneNet team which feels like it's not actually Vodafone so there's certain things I can't use I can't use the online account management you are not missing a thing that is the in, the best of the internet circa 1995. I've got this thing called SureSignal, which is a femtocell, provides a network within my house that provides really good call quality. I can't use the online system to add numbers to it because I can't get into the Vodafone system to do that. And my customer service, I think, is only open 8am to 8pm. But as long as I call in those hours, great. I get through within about two or three rings. I get a call centre that is definitely attached to the business unit 
it's servicing. Aren't all film companies as, as, as bad as each other? I've had bad experiences with Orange in the past. I've had bad experiences with Three. You know, it seems that nobody is... Yes, I mean, we'll get good and bad experiences with them when you are the regulator, Ofcom, in this case, but also the Consumers Association, which have taken a look at this as well. They look at the number of complaints, and Vodafone's complaints have... I, I don't have the numbers here, but they're something like doubled in the last 12 months. The numbers really, really don't lie. There's a very poor story happening at Vodafone right now. I'm going to say something quite rooty. I've, I've worked in a call centre, like, doing tech support, so I imagine it's very similar. You're in a call centre you know, uh, fending off customers' inquiries. And the people that work there, bless them, are probably under pressure, you know, to have their stats and churn out as many kind of, you know, tick-tappy customers as possible. And they're just sat with a computer system, you know, which you can only do sort of certain tasks. So if there's any kind of complicated issue, then I think that's why you get bounced around a lot, you know. So, I, th- I you know, I think the pressure, the pressure comes from, like, you know, you must resolve 10 customer queries an hour, you know, you know and you can't spend... 30 minutes on, on one customer giving them a quality service that you they go oh yeah that'd be fine tap 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 t- tick a checkbox it doesn't actually fix it and you have to call back again the next day it's like passing around a hot potato isn't it i got to spend half an hour with an expert actually on two two consecutive days recently what's your secret in an apple store i went away camping for the weekend yay camping camping i put my mac to sleep as i normally do and when i returned after three days the fan was going and it was making oh. a really, really loud sound. So my Mac sits underneath the Thunderbolt display behind me. It's always closed, mostly, and it was really, really hot. I don't know how long the fan had been going. So I pulled it out, I shut it down, I booted it back up, and it just it gave me an error message. And then I rebooted, and then it just wouldn't start. I tried everything. This was after I'd put boot camp on it. So I'd managed to get into boot camp. Boot camp would work, so that bit of the partition was fine. But the actual Mac partition, no dice. I'd tried plugging it into other Macs, all various things, tried to correct the disk. It just wasn't happening. And I thought I had it backed up, but it turns out it wasn't backing up to Time Machine. No! So I... Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Don't, don't, just ca- don't just casually say... <laughs> It wasn't back up to Time Machine. <laughs> Explain why Time Machine was not doing its sole job. You're getting me worried now. I hadn't set it going. So the last backup I had was from three months before when I'd taken it into the Apple Store. I think in my mind I was like, I'll get it at home, reset it onto Time Machine. I just never did it. But luckily all of the data is on Dropbox. So it's just the apps. Any app I'd installed in the last three months wouldn't be on there and anything on my desktop, which luckily I had cleared out, so I don't think I lost anything. I went to the Apple Store, we talked through the problem, and I was like, if you can try and do it without wiping it, do your best. So the first day, no dice, so we're like, we're going to have to wipe it now. So I was like, okay, give me one last go, take it home, try it out. Just could not get it to work. Went back to a different Apple Store, my local one in Stratford, the next day. Drop-in appointment, first thing in the morning saw a very nice man who did try his best to sort it out, but was like, I'm going to have to wipe it. He tried to wipe it. He couldn't wipe it. Ah. You know it's bad when you can't even wipe it and start again, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. You couldn't partition the disk. So when you went into the setup and said, just destroy all the partitions and start again, it, it just wouldn't do it. It wasn't showing anything. And then he went out back and went, came back with a... A new Mac? 
<laughs> Here, have this one. Well, he came out and said, it's, it's the SSD. I've put a new one in and it's fine. And he went, and because it's the terabyte one, it's going to be £741 plus VAT. Whoa, 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 whoa. So that's A, a lot of money. B, is your machine not in warranty at this point? Well, no, it's definitely out of warranty because I got it in 2013. Right. A, ter- a terabyte SSD doesn't cost 700 quid. That costs about 400 quid. They are generally very fast ones and very good ones, apart from when you have these problems they with break. them. And that's what Apple charges for them. And so I said, is there anything at all you can do about that? And he went to go and talk to his manager and he came back and he went, we can replace it for free. And that is why an Apple SSD costs £741 plus VAT. Because some of them they will replace for free. If you're nice. And they did say, we, we, we know you've had problems with this. We want you to sort it out. And just next door to me, there was a man who came in with a smashed iPhone. And he had a similar experience. And... The person said, well, we're allowed to replace a few of them. I'm just going to replace this for you for free. Do you think that, that that's within the Apple rules? That they can just... Like when you go in Pret? I think they have a lot of leeway. They have a lot of leeway. Like when you go in Pret, they're allowed to give out like, like a free coffee today to a customer of their choice. Do you think in Apple it's like, we'll give out five free repairs a day or something, you know, just if, if, we, if, if we like them? Go first thing in the morning, definitely. I would thought, that's it now. I'm going to have to spend getting on for a grand to get this thing working again. But David, you've had problems with yours, haven't you? Yes, I have, and I had to pay out a chunk of money. Not, not, not too much, actually. Did you smile nicely? I did. I got on very well with the, uh, with the team there, but there was no working around it. So in my 15-inch MacBook Pro, my, it's a 2011 model, actually. Like you, I had the lid closed. It was charging up, and what do you know? I came back to it. It was really, really warm. I closed the lid, and the lid wouldn't close properly. So I got my screwdriver out, took the back off, unscrewed a little bit, ping, screw flew up into the ceiling, and all of a sudden it's like, massive battery melt thing happening <laughs> what David do that again what, you just went I'm not Rrr. I'm not doing it again not doing it again <laughs> massive battery melt <laughs> <laughs> I knew what had happened and looking around the internet yeah it's it's fairly common trying to get an appointment with my Apple store was an absolute absolute nightmare you cannot get an appointment there very easily not for a Mac not for a Mac I've always find it's usually a week and your best bet is to queue up early doors for a drop-in, so I so I did that, and um, I, I just popped in one one lunchtime actually, and they go, yeah, I tell you what, give us your number, we'll text you. It's likely to be about two hours time. I go, fantastic. Got to get my hair cut, have some lunch. Eventually, I got to see them about four o'clock, and I spent forty-five minutes or so while the guy did some tests to make sure that the the battery expansion hadn't broken the system board, hadn't knackered in anything else and stuff. So. It must have been about quarter to five when he said, right, so it's going to take up to 48 hours to fix this. It's going to cost £99. You know, your, your laptop is fairly old and these batteries, they do fail. What age are we talking for your laptop? It's a 2000, uh, I think it's a late 2011 15-inch MacBook Pro. But I fully specced it at the time and I've SSD'd it since then and maxed it out for RAM. So it still performs really, really well. Just the battery life isn't great. It's really, really heavy. So it tends to stay at home. Anyway, so about quarter to five, he goes, we'll send you a message. So I got an email straight away into my iCloud account just saying, yep, this is what we're going to be doing. You've agreed to this. I then get home. I'm thinking I'm really, really busy. It's going to be a week and a half before I can go back in and pick it up. I get home. 
ping, your Apple device is now ready to pick up. And I'm like, no, that can't be true. And it was. I spent pretty much all afternoon waiting for my appointment. They'd fixed it in 15 minutes flat, but I couldn't go back in and get it for the best part of a week or so, which was really, really frustrating. Why didn't you just go back there and then? Um, I think by the time I got home, it was quarter past five, kids coming home and stuff. And I, uh. I wasn't sure. I wasn't convinced. I thought, oh, no, no, there, there must be a mistake here. But no other email came. You should have sent me down as like an errand boy. You could have like bung me a tenner, David. I would have, I would have gone and picked it up for you. <laughs> would have cost you more than a tenner to get over to my side of London from where you live, Jeff. Probably. That is true. That is that true. Is true. But anyway, things that I knew I needed to check out were, was it a refurb battery or was it a brand new battery? Yes, looking at the stats, no nil recharge cycles and stuff, so it does seem to be a brand new battery. I haven't put it under a stress test to see how long it lasts. But the only thing I do know is since I put in an SSD drive, the fans in that thing, it does still get really, really hot and really noisy. Mm. That's because it's not a £741 SSD. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Would you like to hear about my most recent brief Apple store genius bar? We've all been in the genius bar. Whilst on holiday in the USA, did I mention I was on holiday in the USA? I was using my world traveler package so much that I, you know, my iPhone 6, I was just draining of its battery every day. I was, we were looking at maps, we were looking at places to stay and stuff. So I ended up buying a smart battery case because I remember you had one, Will. A big, ugly, smart battery case with a big lump on the back. Which I laughed at. This is the official Apple one, right? Yeah, it is still a bit lumpy and ugly. But Jeff, Go with me on this. It feels better than it looks. It does feel better, but you have that feeling of, oh, I'm not going to run out of battery today. You don't even have to worry about it. I've never run it down. It takes away the all worry that your phone is not going to last the day. And when you're travelling on the move on holiday, that's a really great feeling because you don't know when you're next going to come across a plug. Mine gets to about five or six in the evening before the case runs out. And then I've got a full evening with a full charge. Anyway, the point is, a week after I got back off holiday, it stopped working. <laughs> it just wouldn't charge. It just, it just died. And I'm like, is it like the US model? Shouldn't you plug it into a UK plug oh. or something? I'm thinking. So I booked a genius appointment, but then I happened to be, I literally was walking past an Apple store quite by chance, and I had it on me, because I was still using it as a case, even though it wasn't charging. <laughs> It's a good case as well. It does wrap all the way around the edge. And so I went in and I went to the genius queue and the guy went, ah, oh, no, you don't need to queue up for this. He went, you just need to go and talk to... And he went, I can't help you. You need to go and talk to Dave over there. So I walked over to this incredibly large gentleman, Dave, and he went, oh, yeah, he went, oh, I could probably help you. Have you got the receipt for it? And I couldn't remember in America if I bought, had a paper receipt or an email receipt. And, he, and basically he's like, well, without receipt, I, you know, we need, we need proof of purchase. And, and the best that I could do was then he went, well, you need to go and talk to my manager, Adam. He said, if you haven't got proof of purchase. So I went over to see Adam and he went, yeah, no, we really, we really can't help you. And I went, oh, no, I know, I could log into my online banking and show you the date and the price and the fact that it says Apple Store probably in my bank statement. And he looked at it and he went, yeah, he went, that's, that's really not good enough. I'm sorry. And I, and I stood there with a forlorn look. I went, oh, I don't want to have to buy another one. I went, oh, no, I said, they're really good. And I, and I sort of did a sob story and he went... <laughs> Well, go and talk to Steve over there and yeah. see if he can help you. And so I went to this other guy. I went, look, I haven't got the receipt. I went, I love Apple products. Oh, it's really good. Just walking past any chance. Look, all I've got is proof on my online banking. And he went, yeah, okay, that's fine. We'll swap it out. <laughs> and so on the fourth try of asking, I got someone that just swapped it out. So, so the trick at an Apple store is just keep asking different people until they fix it. <laughs> but that's absolutely right first of all i never get a paper receipt from apple store anymore i always get it emailed but secondly that whole thing certainly in the uk and you know i'm sure it 
it stands elsewhere as well. Proof of purchase does include things like banking statements and, and whatnot. You don't, you do not need to have the original receipt. A proof of purchase. You show them your online banking. If they can tie the two together to their satisfaction, then you're good. I mean, I guess the key issue was that Jeff bought it in America. I don't think they really picked up on that, even though it's still at the $99 sign on the back. They didn't even test it to prove that I was telling the truth that it didn't work. They just went, no, we believe you. I do love my smart battery case because it just takes away the worry of running out of juice. A lot of people have mocked me and I'm like, yep, still on 100%. Still got my battery. <laughs> still got my, that's really good. My battery case is bigger than yours. <laughs> this, is, this is an anchor and it's uh, it's a beast. Um, this is a second generation Astro E7, and it's a twenty six thousand eight hundred milliamp power. Um, actually, it's quite shiny as well. I can see a reflection of my setup here. Um, but this is great. I mean, obviously, it, it is a, it's much bigger than my phone. It's not a case, though, is it? It's just a battery. It's it's not a case. Now, Mophie. I've um, I've had Mophie cases in the past. They've just come out with a new load of Mophie cases too. But then the problem with the other cases, and this is what Apple has done incredibly well, because it's it can do things other cases can't do. Any other case you put on, it thinks it's on mains power. Whereas the smart battery case, because of the name, the case tells the phone, I'm not mains power, I'm just a battery case. So as well as being able to indicate the battery level to the RS, it also stops it doing things like backing up to iCloud, all of that other stuff you do when you just plug in. Will, do you, do you remember years ago there was um, a painkiller called Anodin and it was kills pain other painkillers can't reach. That's what you've just described with the, smart, with the smart battery case. But that's what Apple has done. They've kind of gone, okay, here's what everyone else makes. Good idea. We're just going to take a slight advantage because we can make it clever and not allow anyone else to do that. And why not? No. Can, what? 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 Uh, yeah, yeah. Go on, Jeff. Can we talk about Apple being evil? I mean, we can. Apple being evil? What are you talking about, Jeff? Apple wouldn't be evil. Bear in mind, as far as I'm concerned, they can do no wrong currently. So they now have the technology that prevents you from taking photos. This is the patent they've applied for, isn't it? I think the technology is there, whether it will actually come to fruition. Do you know how many patents they apply for? Uh, <laughs> a lot. They have thousands of patents. I don't think I'm even making that up. They have so many. And I would say a lot of them never, ever make it into devices. But this one got my attention because you can obviously imagine that somebody has gone to them and gone, is it possible for you to do this? And they've gone, oh, let's, let's, yes, we can. And, you know, and, and someone's actually worked on that. Or they've got the patents so no one can do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If they don't license it, no one can do it. I feel like we should actually talk about what it is so that people listening... If you could summarise it for us, Jeff. Did it involve, I want to say, somehow... No, actually, I can't remember now. It involved somehow then sending out a signal. I want to say infrared, but no, it's not infrared, is it? Somehow you could set up a zone whereby if you were in that zone, almost like a ring fence, your camera app would then not work. So the idea is, is, that, is that if you had an Apple device at a concert and the performer didn't want you taking photos, they could enable this technology which meant that within that perimeter you could not use the camera on your phone and prevent you from taking pictures of the concert. So it wouldn't be the camera app that got frozen, it would have to be the camera itself because you can have third-party camera apps instead. So it would need to be something kind of lower down the stack, not just the stock app. But then you could just take a camera with you. It doesn't yeah. solve the problem. 
It just inconveniences people. But the fact that someone's obviously had that conversation and the technology has been developed, and you could well imagine that someone's proved it to go, yeah, here it works. It's a very long journey from getting the patent and for the technology ever being, even if it is ever going to be implemented. Like, I can't see that being a winner. It's not to the consumer's benefit. Are concerts going to pay Apple to put this in? It just doesn't, it doesn't really, to me, make any sense. I can't see a business need. I can't see how it advances Apple's business in any way. I often think of, well, if that is true, what else is true? And then it just makes you again think, crikey, if, if someone's asked them to do that and develop that, then what other things, you know, what other conversations go on about what other things are they asked to be developed? And it just makes you worry that there's a whole bunch of things that we just never hear about. And next thing you know, you're Mark Zuckerberg taping up your, your webcam and your microphone. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, first of all, Mark Zuckerberg has his Twitter account hacked, so he hadn't used it for a long time. Funny that. Yeah, funny that. And then, um, and then yes, that picture, it was, um, it was an Instagram milestone, wasn't it? And uh, yes, just in the background, he's got his microphone on his, on his Apple device. He's got, he's got his microphone taped over and the, uh, and the camera. Now, I mean, I've, I've been to places, I've been to forensic labs and, and so on. And, you know, these guys know their stuff. And, uh, yeah, they put little little bits of tape, little post-it notes over there, the cameras on their screens. Is this in the Windows world or is it in the Mac world as well? Supposedly, yes. So on most uh, devices, if the webcam is turned on at a fairly low level, you've got the little light that pops on that tells you that the camera is active. And that, as far as Apple is concerned, I guess, is, you know, yeah, you can't really subvert that. We're Apple. You can't really hack us that easily. But a researcher did find a way of doing that, was able to get the webcam active without that little light active. So, you know, maybe Mark Zuckerberg is right. How involved an attack is this? Do they need physical access to the machine? Do, you, do they need you to run something? Or do you just need to be attached to the internet? Because that's always my kind of vector on this. So like Heartbleed, definitely you didn't have to do anything. Heartbleed could attack you without you doing anything wrong. A lot of these attacks involve you falling for something, whether it's an email, whether it's a phone call, whether it's someone getting physical access to your machine. And that's what I'd like to know, is whether your webcam on a Mac can be activated without the light if someone hasn't had physical access to your machine or you haven't done something stupid online. Well, I mean, that's where social engineering comes into it as well. The best attack vector, social engineering. Having someone saying, oh, te technical support, can you just do this thing in order to make sure that your PC stays, stays safe? These things used to be called rats or remote access trojans. That's the main thing for me is, is it just literally they can access your webcam over the internet without the light or do you have to have been a bit silly? Or nipped to the toilet and had someone else in the office do whatever that silly thing, as you call it, is, so you're not even aware that it's happened. I mean, that's, that's perfectly possible as well. But I would lock my Mac if I went to the loo. There have been a few stories uh, leaking around. Uh, I, I think an analyst came out with it originally. Was it Jeff? Was it Jeff who saw it on his mate's iPhone in um, Cupertino? <laughs> um, talking about the stuff that's going to be in the new MacBook, new MacBook Pro, uh, later on, you know, I, as I said, you know, I've got a 2011 MacBook Pro. Going back to my experience with my MacBook, I did not want to spend £741 plus VAT, not just because that's a lot of money. 
I don't want to spend it on a machine which is basically out of date and there are no new MacBooks currently that are worth buying. Exactly. It's a very old machine now. I got my my current MacBook, my 13-inch uh, Retina one last year. It's slower than my 15-inch one from 2011, 2012 because it doesn't have the discrete graphics. But, you know, it's, it's kind of horses for courses. Anyway, so the new MacBook Pros... The rumoured new MacBook Pros. They've got a number of interesting things in there. Um, and the... Um, the thing that struck me was um, the inclusion of Touch ID in there. Now, I put this out on Twitter maybe earlier this year or, or last year in one of my anti-password rampages. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be a great idea if Apple were to put Touch ID onto its laptops? And Max Tatton brown I'm sure you know Max, uh, he got back on Twitter straight away and said, well, actually, that's not a very Apple thing to do. What they would probably do instead is to hook up your iPhone with your MacBook. That's what they're doing with Sierra and the watch. Exactly. So there's proximity. Because the watch is great because it's always locked when it's attached to your skin. So you only put in the code once and then as long as you don't take it off your wrist, it remains authenticated. Hang on, so you can use your watch or your phone to unlock, unlock your MacBook? Definitely your watch. I'm not sure about the phone. So that it will know when you're near your Mac and it will unlock it, which is great. I think that's a brilliant feature. Yeah. But certainly when entering passwords in on, online on, on my MacBook, it's like, oh, I just want to touch ID because it's so much more convenient. Because I use 1Password on my phone and use the Touch ID to activate that. And sometimes I will do it on my phone, even when I'm sat in front of my Mac, because I can use thumbprint rather than typing in this really long, however many character string to unlock the vault. I totally get that. So I'm I'm dubious about that Touch ID thing, if I'm honest. You know, Apple's trying to simplify these devices. It's not going to work for me as well because my Mac is closed underneath my display. I don't have to pull it out, open it up, put my thumb on it, close it back down, put it away. It's not going to work. But they were talking about putting uh, USB-C in there. Thunderbolt 3 will be running over USB-C, the connection. Okay, right, yeah. Um, and what else? there was something about the function keys as well, Will. That it would become a touch strip. To be honest with you, I read it on a couple of different sites and I still didn't quite understand what it was about. I think what this harks back to, there was this, it was called the Optimus something keyboard, where every single key was an OLED display. Yeah. And it cost about £1,000 and I don't think they ever actually made more than about five mm. of them. But this was back like five, six years ago. It was kind of like every year at CES, the Optimus keyboard. It sounds like something similar to that. So you'll have an OLED strip and that can be changed on the fly to be any key or even maybe any sort of gesture or something that can be customised based on the apps. And I like that idea. I have to say, I'm dubious about all of these. Apple's design language seems to be to cut away the stuff, to put the intelligence elsewhere. And again, it still doesn't solve the problem if you use a docked machine. But coupled with these rumours is the death of the air, which is going to be sad times for me, because I love my air. Yeah, Apple needs to consolidate a lot of its models, particularly a lot of its ranges, not only MacBooks, but iPads and, and so on, because it's just... It just needs to release more models. Like, more than once every 18 months. I think that's the big problem. They're getting so old. And obviously, Apple's waiting on Intel for some of this. It's too reliant on that. I think it needs to 
not skip generations of chip and just keep upgrading them. What about the Thunderbolt display? I know you've got a Thunderbolt display and there's been, you know, how long have we been anticipating a a 5K display? But I know there are some technical challenges around that though, aren't there? There are. The bandwidth of Thunderbolt isn't there yet. Prior to the 5K iMac, you could use it as a display. So you could use a Thunderbolt cable out of your MacBook, plug it into your iMac, and you've got you've got effectively a Thunderbolt display. I do that from my Windows from my Windows machine. I plug it in exactly like that into my iMac 27 inch. Brilliant. The 5K iMac doesn't have that feature because effectively they're stitching two panels together logically and running them sideways. So I think that's the big issue is one, how do they address the screen and is the bandwidth in the cable there? But I mean, I bought my Thunderbolt display literally when they were announced, which is always the best time to buy anything from Apple. And that's been with me since, I guess it was 2010, 2011. Why, Will? Why do you want the first generation of something? Because they have never updated it and they've never reduced the price. That £900 display back in 2011 was expensive, but now it's ridiculous. So if you want to get the most value out of an Apple thing, you need to buy it when it's first announced. So something they're looking at doing, I understand. Again, I don't know if it's rumours or whether there's more to it, uh, to get by this lack of bandwidth uh, from the device to the screen, is actually to put the graphics card in the monitor. It's a clever idea, because there's a lot in that display. I remember I saw the iFixit teardown of it, and it's essentially it's an iMac without an Intel processor in it. There is so much going on in there. Guys, do you ever feel that for a technology podcast, uh, we talk a lot about Apple stuff? We do. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. But people love Apple. <laughs> Everyone loves Apple. <laughs> I do have a couple of Android phones here as well. I can, I can get those out and wave them around if you like. My friend Dan, who set up the Reddit for us, he said, uh, where, where do I skip to to the Android chat in the latest episode of Freckless? Hey. See? See? Skip See? to this bit. This is the good bit for Dan, Android Dan, fans. I'm with you. Android. Actually, I booted up my Android phone. Oh, yeah, for Google Play. So we're on Google Play. The other day, someone said to me, why do you have an iPhone and not an Android phone? And I thought about it, and um, I know what the answer is. I can, do you want to know? I can take you back. Wibbly wobbly. Why do you have one, Jeff? And I gave my friend the answer, and I, and we had, and I thought it was fascinating, because it just goes to show... How in, 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 a, in a moment, in a single moment, a consumer can make a snap decision that leads them down one path. Why do you get a Mac rather than Windows machine? Why do you get a, a Canon rather than a, an icon? And I can remember when, you know, smartphones hit the big time and I was still on a Nokia, you know, black and white texty phone. And it was like, oh, you could get an Android or you could, or you could get an iPhone. And my friend in the, in the pub one night went, here, have a go of my Android phone. And he passed it over. And I, sort of t- I, t- I think the first thing I tapped was a photo app. And I'd been in the Apple store the previous day and I went, oh, that the iPhone 3 was out. And I went, oh, can you pinch and zoom like you can on an iPhone? With my finger and thumb, I, 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 I did that. And it didn't work on the Android phone. And I did it again. And eventually on the third time, it kind of jerkily did it. And I was like, I, and, it, and, he went, and he went, oh yeah. And he went, sometimes it's a bit like that. And I thought, 
No, on the iPhone, it did it perfectly first time. And in that one moment, I thought Apple have cracked it and Android haven't. And, 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 and I subconsciously, and I realised now that I subconsciously realised at that moment that I would buy an iPhone and not an Android. The first time I saw an iPhone, somebody had bought one in America and it, he was a well-known show-off. He bought it at the time when you couldn't even use it in the UK. You couldn't even, I think you had to activate it there but then that was it. He could use it as basically as an iPod. And normally he likes to show off with this stuff, but I was like, actually, I want to see this. So I just went, can I have a look at your iPhone? He was like, mm, here it is. Have a look at my iPhone. And I remember I went in the contacts app and I spun it because it used to be that roll. It used to have that roll interface and it spun like I'd spun something in real life. And the thing for me was it was, it was a marked difference from when you used to watch movies and you'd go, that's not how technology works. Nothing like that. Emails don't come up and go into envelopes and fly away. Apple made technology work like it does in a movie, but better. Yes, It was yes. how people imagined technology would work. And that was what was the <laughs> thing about the iPhone. It took a long time for Android to catch up. And also, they didn't have the screens. They used to have those... Resistive versus capacitive. And that was what Apple did, was they went for the screen that didn't involve pressure on it. It was it could sense the touch points. I remember my first touch of an iPhone was in Tom Dunmore's hand. Tom Dunmore, then editor of Stuff magazine. I was at the Stuff show. This would have been, oh God, well, 2007, 2008, I suppose, um, in Hammersmith in London. And I was so impressed. And, you know, he was calling it, it's the Jesus phone. And it, it was really impressive. And we queued up. That's right. He was on the stuff booth and we were queuing up to touch the Jesus phone. It was it was hilarious. I think Android has has come a long way. Definitely. It's definitely caught up. But for me, I'm so tied into the apps on my phone. I I don't want to I don't want to buy them all again. I don't know whether I can buy them all again. And my phone works. There's there's a cost to switching. I've got this thing set up how I want it. I know how to use it. It does what I want it to do. And it's, it's just easier to stay with a device that works how you want it to work. You already have a second phone, your BlackBerry. Would you have considered moving to, uh, I don't know, a Samsung Galaxy S7 or an HTC? No. No? No. I was looking at the BlackBerry Priv. Were you now? That's what I was looking at because... Because it's got the BlackBerry keyboard. The thing I love about this torch is the keyboard. I can type on this thing. I can't do emoji, but I can type on it really fast and without looking because mm. it's tactile. You can't do okay. that on an iPhone. But everything else about it's awful. End of Fraculous. If your puny human minds can handle more, then follow on Twitter. At sign F R A C K U L O U S or individually at sign David McClelland D A V I D M C C L E L L A N D at sign Jeff Tech G E O F F T E C H at sign Will Head W I L L H E A D. Email your brains to hello at sign fraculous.com. Do you remember the first time? I can't remember a worse time.
but you know that we've changed so much since then. Oh yeah, we've grown. Now I don't care what you're doing. No I don't care if you screw him. Just as long as you save a piece for me. Oh yeah. I think we've established that I'm the funny one on the podcast. Oh god, we're doomed then, aren't we? I already know that that's the bit that Will's going to clip at the beginning when he puts in the little funny aside. <laughs> use that bit, use that bit. Don't use this bit. Don't use the bit of me saying use that bit. You could use the bit of me saying not to use that bit. Okay. I want to point out that I'm wearing a shirt. What I've learned from seeing myself on podcasts is to wear a shirt and not, and not a t-shirt because t-shirts sag under, under the weight of a lapel mic. My mum uh, commented that I wasn't wearing a shirt. Your mum watches... My mum watches. So, of all the things that can influence your behaviour, not only have we been watching ourselves, I mean, Will, who's been editing all of this, has probably watched more than any of us. I know your tics. So we've got that kind of self-conscious, self-editing thing now, but also, your mum's watching you. And also, my friend Richard is watching, and I was out with him the other day, and he's like, anyway, so, uh, about your podcast, and he's just started talking about it, I was like, are you, are you listening to that? He's like, I'm watching it. I'm like, you didn't tell me. He's like, I'm telling it now. I'm like, all right. <laughs> And then I saw I saw him tweet you. He even tweeted the Fractalus Twitter account. So I was like, okay, well that's nice. Will, you've got loads of quality cuts, choice moments there. You know, for the funny bit at the end. Use any of the last five minutes. It's all golden, all of it. Okay. <laughs>